The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw and raw tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2006's Art School Confidential, directed by Terry Zweigoff, starring Max Mingala, Sophia Miles, John Malkovich, Angelica Houston, Jim Broadbent, Matt Kessler, Ethan Supley, and Joel David Moore. Art School Confidential is a 2006 comedy drama film loosely based on the comic of the same name by Daniel Klaus. This movie currently holds a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Jerome, a kid from the suburbs who loves to draw, goes to New York City's Strathmore College for his freshman year as a drawing major. Competition and petty jealousy consume faculty and students with an end-of-first-semester best student award held as a grand womb. Worse, a strangler is on the loose, killing people on or next to campus. The idealistic Jerome falls in love with Audrey, a student who models for life drawing classes and who responds to his sweetness. But he has a rival, the clean-cut, manly Jonah. Also, a first-year drawing student whose primitive work draws raves in Audrey's attention. As cynicism seemed to corrode everything, Jerome is desperate to win. Okay, Art School Confidential. Tonight's movie was sponsored by Nathan. Nathan writes in and says, Boyos, I was in art school in 2006 when Art School Confidential came out in theaters, anticipating a good send-up of our chosen field. Some fellow students and I went to the local Nickelodeon to catch a screening. Perhaps the resident artists of this fine panel did so as well. In any case, we left the theater bewildered by what we had just experienced. I couldn't shake the feeling that the movie we had seen in previews had been replaced mid-reel by something else. Something evil. This film needs to be dissected by your penetrating scalpel. So, would you do me the great honor, slipping down on one knee, shiny $50 piece held aloft of enduring this film for me and subsequently ripping it apart for my childish amusement, your faithful disciple. Okay, Art School Confidential, what is your history with this? I've seen this piecemeal, seen different scenes from it here and there. I've, I've never seen it in its entirety though. I don't really have too much experience with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I've never even heard of this movie before. I knew it existed. I remember back in 2006 when I was in school in a life drawing class, the teacher said, hey everybody, you should go see Art School Confidential. Confidential. It's so real. Was I in that class? No, you are not. I can't imagine a teacher seeing this movie and saying to its students, you should go see this. Yeah, he did. He said he sh- you should go check it out. I remember the trailers for this movie making it seem like it was a, a funny comedy. But is that what we get? Tune in, find out. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Max Mengele making his triumphant return, Kevin? What? From the days of The Darkest Hour? That was him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Vaguely you remember that? <laughs> yeah. He's super boring. Really? Super boring. I ha- was not interested in this character whatsoever. He can't act at all. <laughs> Okay, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to stand up for this guy. This guy has a severe British accent, and he hides it really well. Okay. That takes acting skill. Yeah, but as far as, like, portraying emotion to other people that he's in a scene with and feeling to people that are watching the movie, it's felt a little flat for me. It takes a lot of energy to keep your acting levels beneath 9,000, you know? So, Kevin, you didn't like him? He was he bored me. I had zero interest in this character. He brought no charisma. But what he about He may have done a, an excellent job hiding this accent that I didn't know he had, but that doesn't... <laughs> 
translate to an interesting character on the screen. What about his eyebrows? They're very, very strong eyebrows. Powerful. Yeah. Compared to Jennifer Connelly's eyebrows. They put them to shame. Do they? Yeah, I'm gonna have to give him the edge. <laughs> Okay, next up, Sophia Miles. She was the muse, I guess you could say. She uh, she did, she was decent. She was all right. She wasn't terribly interesting either. She had an, another profound accent yeah. hidden mm-hmm. from our discerning ears. She kept reminding me of like Erica Christensen or Swim Fan or whatever, one of those people. Yeah, Am I off just, base? She, um, I don't know. She just wasn't interesting. I'm going to side with Kevin on this one. She really didn't do it for me as far as acting is concerned. I didn't really feel anything. I just kind of was not, I, I, I just didn't care. But what about John Malkovich? <laughs> now that guy. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking about something. That's something to sink my teeth into. I guess maybe he was able to focus on acting because he wasn't hiding an accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, like, if anybody has an accent and they have to hide it, they just can't act. It's using up all their powers. You know that John Malkovich has a super strong British accent that he just hides all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Every day? Every day, whenever he speaks, he's hiding it. Yeah, Malkovich is is typical Malkovich. He's good. He's great. Yep. He acted just like a uh, despondent life-drawing professor. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow, this is so real. It is, because I I had professors like him. Did he live this lifestyle? No, it's just John Malkovich. He's that good. Yeah, he did a good job. I appreciate it. Appreciated his performance. I thought he was really good. Next up, Angelica Houston. She's barely in this thing. But she was there. She's there. She's okay in her two scenes. Why is she in the marquee for this movie? I don't understand that. I don't know. She really wasn't in it. She knocked it out of the park. Yeah, all right. As you yawn. Next up, Jim Broadbent, Professor Slughorn himself. This guy was the most interesting character in the movie. He was masking an outrageous British accent. Yep. And yet he still was able to act. So I don't know what that does to your argument for Max. <laughs> well, he's been acting for years and years, so he's figured out how to do it. Uh, oh, all right. It's so he's got experience. Yeah. Yeah. He did a good job. He did a great job. He's great job. Good great, job. Great, great job. Great good job. Great job. Great. Great job. <laughs> Next up, making his triumphant return to the world of Yeah, It's That Bad, our good friend, Ethan Soupley. You may remember him from The Butterfly Effect. I love this guy. Oh, yeah. He's I'm always, always happy to see him. My name is Earl. Come on. He's like that guy from Mallrats. He always adds some kick to whatever he's in. He adds it. He kicks it up a notch. It's a little more interesting, a little more energetic whenever he's in it. It's almost as if he went into this movie thinking that it was going to be like a balls-to-the-wall comedy mm-hmm. because his character character was very comedic in a movie that's not really that comedic. No. He relieved me. Oh, yeah? He oh, felt yeah. sweet relief. I was like, ugh. How'd you think he did, Kevin? It was a little too much for me. Yeah? <gasps> he was a hot shot. Would-be Hollywood. Would-be Hollywood producer. I like this guy, typically. This was a little too much for me to handle. Don't you get it? He's he's a hot shot, top gun Hollywood producer. producer yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and finally, Joel David Moore, the slacker friend. Did he make any impact on you whatsoever, Kevin? Um, no, none. I knew people like him. I think I think I was him in college, actually, which I don't, I'm not happy about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> Shocking confessions. Yeah, I like look back at him and I'm like, oh, man. Oh, it was me. Oh, it was me. <laughs> I like this guy. I wish he did more in this movie. Yeah. Instead of just being like side character guy. Uh, yeah, I thought he did a good job, but it's a terrible character to have to play. Okay, let's get into the brief history of <laughs> Art School Confidential. And by brief, I do mean brief, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin got the notes. What do you have to say for yourself? This isn't my fault. There's nothing about this movie. <laughs> Nobody in the world cares about this movie. Okay, the art college in the movie is 
based on the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. According to the published screenplay, the minimalist paintings Jonah brings to class were painted by author Daniel Klaus when he was a student at the Pratt Institute. The college's name, Strathmore, is actually a company that manufactures things like sketch pads and tracing paper for artists. Oh yeah. Hey Joel, you got any Strathmore paper? Yeah, I got, you got any Bristol board? Of course. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> this movie had a budget of $5 million. Martin, how much did it make worldwide? I'm going to say $1. <laughs> Closest without going over. Martin wins yet again. <laughs> what did they spend $5 million on? Okay, this movie made $3 million. Ouch. Okay, Art School Confidential. First off, Daniel Klaus. Have either of you seen Ghost World? Nope. Nope. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Is that a movie, a TV show, a painting in an art museum somewhere? You guys are the most uncivilized swine I've ever seen in my life. I know about Ghost Rider. Spirit of (laughs) Engine. No, Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah, 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 on PBS. Yeah, of course. It was sponsored by the Helena Rubinstein Foundation and from viewers like you. That's close enough. It's the same thing, right? Ghost World was a movie with Scarlett Johansson and Thora Birch and Steve Buscemi was in it and it was written by the same guy who wrote this and I've read Ghost World, the comic. I've never read this but I get the sense that this guy likes to write sad, depressing loser characters and that's like a whole subgenre of the independent comic scene. I've read many sad, depressing loner comics in my day. Do you identify? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's me. Oh, it was me. He reads them alone in his bedroom with all the lights out. Yep. Forever alone. So this movie starts off with a flashback. Our hero is a little turdlet in school. It's a little, it's a little dork. It's a dweeb. Yeah, it just opened up with this movie, and he's just getting pummeled in the face by a bully. It looked like he we got us out the bullying, Kevin. Didn't it look like he was in love with that bully though? Like when he was looking across the table, he's like, <laughs> like staring at him and drawing them like his friends. <laughs> I'm like, is he in love with him? They were under a toilet <laughs> in, the, in the picture. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, I didn't understand that picture. Did he, did he lift up a toilet and pour? Who on him, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what that was? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Who's all right. So he had the strength of a boondock saint, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, so this kid, he wants to be the next Picasso. So, and I quote, to have sex with anyone in the world. Yep. A lofty goal, right? Uh, you this can't kid fu- is, is wise beyond his years. Way beyond his years, right? He gets it. Oh, he, sure. Listen, he knows where he needs to be. He just has a poor time <laughs> executing it. <laughs> I want to have sex with all the girls in the world. All right, so we, we cut to six years later. And when he was a little kid, he had this little nerdy fat friend mm-hmm. who was like there when he got beat up. When we cut to six years later and he's in high school and he's like, I'm going to go to art school. That fat nerdy friend has the exact same t-shirt he was wearing as a little kid six years ago. Did you notice that? (laughs) No. I love that. I thought that was so funny. I didn't get that. I didn't notice that. Wow, you guys. (laughs) Are you watching this movie? The opening credit sequence has this montage of all these crazy, kooky art school characters. That was just like when we went to art school, right? I was laughing a lot during this opening scene. I was like, this is so accurate, all this crap. When that girl got out barefoot and stepped on the glass, (laughs) I've seen that happen. Kevin, I must warn you, this episode is probably going to veer off into after dark territory because Martin and I have some mild experience in these matters. Both have our BFA. Vague experiences in these matters. Yeah, I don't have any experience in these matters. I took one art class in college because I was forced to. You're... He drew a pair. I saw it. Really? Yeah, and I did a nice little... A pair uh, of what? A pair, <laughs> pair of balls. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
nice little drawing of a fish. So this opening montage is all the art students screwing around and being idiots. Set me up to think that this is going to be a funny comedy. I was thinking of that um, unaccepted movie. That's what it seemed like. Kevin, in your mind's eye, when you picture art school students, this is what you this, this is absolutely what you think of, right? I was friends with a bunch of art students in college because I actually worked at my college art gallery. Whoa. So I was around the art students a lot. They seemed like normal people to me. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, no, everybody You're talking to the wrong people. Talking to the wrong art students. Okay, that's obviously sounds like you got the improper art experience. All right, so yet again, our friend Ethan Soupley is playing another college roommate. He's good at it. Butterfly effect in this. He's another dorm mate. One of the best college roommates I think ever, as far as movies are concerned. And it doesn't matter that he looks like he could be thirty years old. Yeah, he's like he's forty five, but <laughs> no, he hey, looks why like not? he's yeah. <laughs> Like, he's had his, his over-the-hill party already. He's the roommate. Nick Swardson is the other roommate, who does nothing in this movie. I thought he'd be more of a comedic force. That was a real waste of talent. He was there to be a stereotype of a, a, a gay guy. Correct. Okay, so after we meet these two people, we cut to the cafeteria, and they're screwing around. And our friend Ethan Supley, he sets up this plot that there are all these murders going on on campus. Someone's going around strangling people. They're murdering people just like urban legends. I honestly <laughs> thought that this is going to be like a funny urban legends. I really thought this was, this was going to be that. This plot line, unnecessary. I don't know what's happening with this movie at this point. I'm Completely like, unnecessary. First, we, we start off with this. It seems like it's going to be a, co- a stereotype comedy about college. Now it's murder mystery. Yeah. This does what's nothing. What's happening? It does nothing but muddle up the movie. And it they does. Never, they never figure out what they want this thing to be. They don't know. And, and I don't know. At the end of the movie, I'm left confused. This is the jumping off point for me in this movie where it's like, what is going on? I would have preferred the funny art school comedy, quite frankly. Same here. Because that stuff is the stuff I really liked in this movie. Like the first third of this movie. After that, things start to get a little weird. Max Mangala's character, he's never been laid. Yeah, he's, he's a virgin. Yeah, now it turns into the 20-year-old virgin. There what's, you go. What's going on in this movie? I thought that his life goal was to have sex with every woman on earth. Now this kid's never been laid and he says his standards are too high. Listen, bro, you gotta figure out what you want to be and you gotta, <laughs> you gotta shoot for it. You either want to bang every girl in the world or then you can be choosy. You can't have it both ways. Good point. This kid doesn't know what he wants. Well, his roommates find out that he's never been laid. Well, anyway, so Max Mingla, he goes to his first ever life drawing session. This is so good because presumably this guy's never seen a naked girl before because he's never been laid. And we see this one girl walking around. She looks like she's wearing a bathrobe and, and the camera is like following her and it makes it look like she's gonna get naked. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, plot twist. Real switcheroo. All of a sudden the curtain springs open and this weird looking like hobo <laughs> dude comes this, rolling out completely naked. This is spot on. This is one billion percent accurate to what it's like. As, as soon as that happened, I said, oh God, Troll's going to have some story about how this, <laughs> this is exactly what happened to him. <laughs> this this, this life drawing scene is medically accurate. 100% <laughs> medically accurate. Joe, who was the first person that, that, that you drew? You don't you don't have to say their name. Just d- describe them. Was it a woman or a man? You know, I don't even remember at this point. Like, I've had to draw so many naked people in school. I have no recollection of what I thought at the start. None. My, my, it gets to be so clinical. Like, you don't even care. I heard a story that oh, yeah. a friend of ours oh, in yeah. his first life drawing class mm-hmm. had to draw a woman mm. who weighed oh, yeah. 500 pounds. Yokozuna, yeah. she was in WrestleMania 
WrestleMania 7 and Hulk Hogan had to lift her up, it turned out that this woman, when she came in and disrobed, struck a pose and apparently in the crevasse of her <laughs> of her hindquarters was a piece of toilet paper. <laughs> My my friend and everybody else on that side of the room that had to draw her from that unfortunate angle just kept laughing and laughing and laughing and everybody else was like, what a bunch of immature kids. Yep. But they didn't know that she had a piece of TV in her in her bungle. There you go. What, what about the story about that old man? The dripper? Who went on stage to, so everybody could draw him and he must have had some sort of venereal disease <laughs> because he was dripping the, the, all over the place that was, that, during the entire session. Kevin, what do you think of that? That sounds disgusting. That was a, that was a famous incident. <laughs> it's it spread it spread around our our art school like wildfire, wildfire. That, that there was a dripper. Then there was a the time that the man with the micro penis came. Yes! Oh, that really put my entire life into perspective. It's like it's like I say I have no business to complain about anything. <laughs> Put he should, you should be at, that, 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 that should be on the top of your gratitude list. Yeah, yeah. I have a normal penis. <laughs> then I had a life a woman for life drawing who refused to disrobe. <laughs> what? What's the point of that? I was furious. <laughs> Well, John Malkovich is the life drawing professor. I thought he was the perfect life drawing professor because he perfectly mirrored pretty much every life drawing class I was ever in. That All the teacher ever did was walk around, say some vague nebulous comments and go disappear in the back somewhere. Never did anything. Never taught anything. Yeah, it was just complete, total Chaos. waste of time and laziness. Absolutely. Never once did I ever see a life drawing professor go up to you and be like, hey, this is how you draw a torso. Never, ever. Total waste of time. Yeah, so John Malkovich says only one in 100 artists will make it in their career. It's just funny because me and you are both employed artists. Yeah, this whole movie seems to be about the the futility of this whole art school system, right? Wouldn't you say that? That's this whole movie's about, about how pointless this is? Yeah, it sounds like the guy who wrote this movie is pretty burned up. Pretty bitter. (laughs) Pretty bitter about it. And and yet this person made a movie. And yeah, and comics. And comics and stuff, so it's complete BS. I got the impression that this wasn't a good school. No. So it's not I mean, you guys graduated with degrees from a decent place. Like, I got the impression this is like a crap hole. Okay, so they're they're having life drawing class, and this guy walks in. He looks like a model, super stud, and immediately the 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 slacker seconds before was sitting there and pointing out all the archetypes that are in the classroom. He's like, he's, Carl, he's Carl Young. Yeah, they're like that's the angu- that's the hero. Yeah, this is the that's he's, the self archetype. Hero's <laughs> journey. This is the blowhard. This is the douchebag and so on and so on. It's the trickster archetype. It's like Loki's <laughs> dancing. <laughs> This beefcake guy walks in and the slacker who's pointing out all the archetypes is like, whoa, who's this weirdo? Even though he looks like the most normal person of all. Yeah. I guess that's the joke. He, he's a weirdo because he's so normal. I, you guys, yeah, I guess so. What'd you guys think of his 1992 grunge parted haircut style? That was pretty sweet. It was pretty sick, you right? Don't, you don't see that anymore. I wish they could. people would just start bringing it back. All right, so our hero, he wants to fulfill his dream of having sex with all the girls in the world. So he has a series of comical entanglements with a bunch of girls. They don't work out too well for him. I mean, he gets this one girl who's like histrionic. She's just like emotionally explosive or bipolar <laughs> or something. She's crying and she's laughing. The next girl's a nymphomaniac and that doesn't she, turn out so well. And she's like, oh, I don't have AIDS. But she's got like kids and I don't know. I didn't trust her. Yeah, this series of dating misfortunes. This wasn't funny. This is boring. The way this movie's edited together, it felt really weird to me. It's like the, the music is very sparse. There isn't much music in this movie. Mm-hmm. The cuts are really abrupt. And the way it's shot... It's 
movie is, it felt more like an indie movie. Oh, yeah. Than a comedy. And that's how they sold it, like as this big time comedy. Mm-hmm. I thought that this movie was poorly shot and disjointed. I thought that I it was confusing. Mm-hmm. It was real abrupt. Each scene was abruptly cut and I didn't like it. Oh, you know, so they spent a lot of time in this movie talking about how these art students, all they were doing was trying to be like shocking for shocking sake. Why? Yeah, like what is art and, and all this crap. Why am I an artist? Kevin, another little story for you from our college days. This didn't happen when we were there, but this is like a story that the professors told us <laughs> happened. So there's no reason to doubt that this happened, right? In the movie, one of the guys gets arrested because all his art was about like kill cops and support your local rapist and, and things like that. Like it's really shocking stuff and he got arrested for mm-hmm. it. When we were in school, the professors told us a story about this one guy <laughs> For his thesis to graduate, he made a video of himself. Let's just call it a video of himself. All right. I, I got I to gotta choose my words very carefully here. Masturbating on his girlfriend's face. He came to fruition on her face. In an endless loop. And this was placed on multiple TV screens. On pedestals. A, yeah, like in a grid. So you had to sit there and watch it over and over and over again. And that's high art. And you got like an A+. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this is from my oh my god! Nietzsche girl, go for it. In a girl's thesis. <laughs> Who was in my class? She presented with me. I saw this. She made a cast of her of her genitals mm-hmm. and m- casted them in different materials and metals and yep. papers, and she just put them on a bookshelf and on tr- on like a, a like piece on pieces of furniture, like they're just part of a living room, and that each material meant something different about her vagina. She poured urine on one and period blood on another, right? Right. While Kevin's uh, crunching numbers in. Uh, accounting school, we got people like this running around doing this stuff. What do you think? That's pretty gross. I thought it was pretty lame. Yeah, actually, me too. Sounds like high art to me. So this movie is not that far from the truth, actually. It's actually dangerously close to the truth. Alright, so now one of the big uh, plot points in this movie is that the students have to have their big art critique at the end of the semester. Portfolio review. Portfolio review, and it's going to determine what their grade is. It's like everything they did before is meaningless, and their entire grade is dependent on just this. Which so, is so true. Which is so true. It's so that's that, that really is the essence of portfolio review. Your grades up until that point meaningless. Meaningless. They mean nothing. You have this portfolio review, which might as well have just been your grade for all those six foundation courses you took, and then they determine whether or not you can continue into the higher level classes. And it's a very big deal because all the students have to put their work on the wall, and everyone gets to see what everybody else is doing. You know, and you stack up. It's it's pass fail. Yeah, it's pass fail. That's it. And there was this one time which I will never forget. Joel. Joel loves this. Where the three kings, the, as I like to refer to them, these the, three professors. The, the triumvirate. Yeah, they came to town and they failed every single person on the floor. It was shocking. People were in tears. Like, remember, we multiple times we saw people crying as they were pulling their stuff up the wall. We were laughing. We were laughing, laughing. <laughs> we were laughing and laughing. laughing. I was like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I passed with flying colors. Same, same here. I did. I did great. They had their first art critique in Art School Confidential. They all put their drawings up. Max Mengele, what do you think of his drawing, Kevin? Is this the one with his self-portrait? Yeah. 
was okay. He wasn't great. He drew himself. Do you think he could draw a better picture than that? Could I? Yeah. No, I have no drawing ability whatsoever. Do you think you could? No, I think it was a really good drawing. Yeah, I, you could. I know I could. Yeah, Martin is way better at life drawing than I am. I thought his picture was great. It's better than the other ones, but what ends up happening? I thought it was good. In comparison to the other students? Yeah, in comparison to everyone else, it was better, but I didn't think it was that great. But what ends up happening? Everybody like, this happened, by the way, <laughs> in my class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's more about the process of draw. Shut up. <laughs> you don't even understand what they're what you're talking about. You're just parroting what you heard in art history and the theory of art itself. You don't they don't even understand. They don't get it. So what happens? Of course, everybody picks this one girl's really abstract, ridiculous, half-assed drawing. It's like scratches and And he gets pissed because <laughs> His craft, look, I'm, I'm going to say this. As far as, like, the theoretical aspect of it, he doesn't really have anything there, but that doesn't matter. He's in life drawing. He's not trying to do something. He's more focused on the process of the craft of life drawing, and he succeeded. He actually drew a person. Because he's in life drawing. He succeeded far better than everybody else in there. He should have got an A. Everybody else should have got, like, an F. Okay, what do you think of that drawing uh, that other girl did? I only give A's and F's. Again, I don't have much experience with this, but I would have assumed in a life drawing class, you should try and draw as accurate to life as possible and hers was just like throwing crayons at a piece of paper chicken scratch yeah during this time period we meet Jim Broadbent he is like a failed artist or mm-hmm. something the nerdy slacker guy takes Max Mengele to go see him for for what like to show him the dark side of the art world or uh, something yeah. no he said like this guy's cool how did he even know him the guy's like a recluse yeah this was just thrown in there to move the story along pointless I didn't like it yeah I hate this story arc I, I don't like it in this movie it I like, doesn't do anything I liked him he did a good job acting. Correct. Which is so weird. I don't like the story arc. I wish it wasn't in the movie, but his acting was the best in the movie. <laughs> you know, that same character could probably have been a teacher or something, right? An angry, disillusioned teacher. I, maybe that was even the case. I mean, why didn't they... It was, wasn't was set up. All of a sudden, they just show up at this guy's apartment. And I don't know why they even know who he is. I would say this guy has a drinking problem, Kevin. It- <laughs> It's only a problem if he can't stop. True. He looks like he, he can he stop can, whenever he wants. He can stop at any time. He just doesn't want to. Well, the, the guy who was like the, the real straight-laced beefcake guy who joined the class, he drew like a race car and everybody was going nuts about this race car drawing. Kevin, what'd you think of it? <laughs> that was a pretty good drawing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like race cars? Absolutely. I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah. I actually bought into what they were saying about it. Yeah, because he, because a bad artist didn't make that. They didn't. It was made to f- look fake bad. Yes. And, and you could tell, like, the composition of it was interesting. Yeah, it's like, how did you draw that painting? It's almost as if you've never seen a painting in your life. Like, how, It's like he unlearned all that art school junk and painted this. I'd be so pissed if I was Max Mengele. <laughs> is that what it is? It's they're looking for something interesting and new. Is that is that all art is? Yeah, absolutely. That's what this movie tells me. They don't want the same stuff regurgitated back that they've all learned in their classes, yet that's all that they're doing. You're right. Yeah, I guess that's the, the iron sick joke. And uh, our boy Max Megala tries to copy the race car and they just laugh at him. Even, even like the mom was in the class like, this sucks. Well, it did. <laughs> right? Joel, did you have any moms in your class? Old people? Yeah. I had a bunch of moms that came back and they're like, I'm going to be an artist now. I had a, I had a bunch of them. Mm. Could you imagine being at college with you? I would, <laughs> I would purposely hit on the kid's mom. <laughs> I absolutely do that. I'd be like, so dear mom, bruh. <laughs> 
What do you got to say about that, bro? All right. So at this point in the movie, we see that the uh, the strangler is running around. We see from his point of view, he, he finds a victim and starts choking her to death. What'd you think of this? It didn't look like he could actually choke somebody that way. Like, ooh, yeah, like, that was a terrible scene. I didn't like this. I didn't understand why we needed to see it. I didn't do a good job with it either. You know, it's at this point that Max, he becomes, you know, he was a character I was semi-rooting for. I agree. And at this point, it switches and I don't like him anymore. Yeah, now yeah this a, movie takes a huge twist around here, a real turn. He turned into Shinji Ikari. Turned into a cat. Um, Thank oh, you. All right, fine, fine. I'll make it more American. He turned into like a member of Fallout Boy. That's like emo, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that's what you were going for. Is it? Is, is e- I don't know. I, I don't Dashboard know much about- confessional? Yeah, he's emo. He becomes the, the emo kid. He Well, he starts trying to copy the other guy. Yeah. Because the other guy's getting praise, right? So he tries to copy him. He does a piss poor job. Even I could see that. Yep. And it's like, well, what is this guy doing? He's not- Be yourself. Do your own thing. Don't worry about other people. Dude, plus, if he's gonna- Like, look, his refrigerator wasn't cool. No. Like, that's what it was, right? It was a refrigerator? Yeah, he painted a refrigerator. And that's, the guy brought in the, 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 the tank. A tank. That was sick. It's not every day you see a movie where the the main character becomes so completely unlikable by the end of it, right? Yeah. That's a rare thing. It's usually the other way around, right? Absolutely. It's his motivation that makes him like a really weak, weak man. He's he's obsessed with trying to get this girl and he'll go to any length and he like kind of sacrifices his character. Yeah, he wants to impress the girl so he starts giving up his own individuality to do so. Which is not impressive. Well, it's the day of the big critique. You know, all the other art students are doing their big art projects. This guy's taking pictures of his testicles and other people are building these giant ice cream cone things. And so it's the, the big portfolio review critique day. And Max Mengele walks up to see his grade. He's all nervous. And he sees he got an A and he's so excited. <laughs> a for awesome. But as it turns out, everybody else, everybody who had this portfolio review, they all got A's. And everyone's work, I don't know about you, Joel, but I didn't think it was A yeah. worthy. What a joke, he says. This is a big scam just to get money. He's right. Yeah. I agree with him. I enjoyed this scene a lot. Like this, like, yep, everybody got an A. Congratulations. You're great. It's like getting a participant trophy when you're like in Little League. <laughs> you guys were you part of the team. Well, so, so our main hero, he's losing everything. He, he's lost his individuality, his art skill. He lost the girl because the beefcake guy stole the girl. What do you think? He's at his lowest point, right? Yeah, absolutely. He goes to hang out with uh, Jim Broadbent once again. He's completely disillusioned. He's at the perfect perfect place to turn into a supervillain, by the way, if this was like a comic book movie. Okay. Sure. Which sure. it is. This is a comic book, isn't Correct. it? Like if he got attached to a symbiote at this point, all <laughs> oh, over, bro. Man. All over. Well, at this point, here's a question for you. What happened to the slacker friend? He just disappeared. Absolutely. From this movie. Vanished. Yeah, yeah, well, he saw him in the bar and he's like, this guy's a tool. I agree with him. I agree. He says like, I haven't seen you in like a week, but it felt like in the world of the movie, like time had progressed, like months had gone by. Yeah, I mean, did they stop, did they just stop going the class? That's highly possible. <laughs> and it, it, look, in art school, you could you could not go to class for two, three months. Still get an A. You still get an A. <laughs> Yeah, they just kind of disposed of him. They didn't know what to do with his character anymore as Max Mangola just started spiraling out of control. And uh, we see that Jim Broadbent, he he realizes that Max Mangola is just down in the dumps. He's like, I'm going to give you a present. He gives him a painting of what he thinks the Strangler's victims look like. And immediately, I'm like, let me guess what's He's going on here. Strangler. He's the Strangler. Max Mangola is going to try to pawn that work off as his own and the cops are going to arrest him for it. Immediately, I'm like, man, I really hope they don't do that. (laughs) 
I knew what happens. I knew that they were going to do it. I I knew it because the first time they talk about the strangler, he goes, I wouldn't say that it was random. I mean, he's a true artist. Yes. I'm like, oh, this guy did it. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's around this point where, you know, the main character really takes a turn for the worst in that, you know, he's getting ready for the last big show. Yep. Right. That's going to determine his grade for the whole class. And if he gets into the big art gallery show at the local coffee shop or whatever. At the the local gin mill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Steepy semi shop. And he completely goes off the rails here because he's he's gonna basically I mean is it plagiarism when you're an artist and you take someone else's art no it's stealing it's just pure stealing it's just pure it's just, stealing it's not plagiarism you know, he it's, stole it's funny like he, I guess you know what, what goes around comes around he stole that guy's painting in this movie then he got his social network <laughs> stolen from him and then he got his second social network stolen from him in the darkest hour <laughs> what yeah, I mean, he becomes immediately like a, a, a villain. Yeah, hateful. When, when he, I did not like when him. When he takes the other guy's art for his own, he takes a murderer's artwork. <laughs> That's pretty low. Yeah, I was, I, I don't know. I was just like, what, what is this movie doing right now? Yeah, I, I really felt like this movie had abandoned me. Like it just left me in the dust. It started off as one kind of a movie that I was really enjoying, and then it turned this. It took this sharp left turn into this insane territory where I did not want to go. I just don't want to deal with this stuff. The, the main character is completely unlikable. The movie is not funny or entertaining anymore. It's just dark and bleak and just not interesting. It was around this time <laughs> that I started surfing Facebook. Yeah? Yeah. Sur- surfing the web. Yeah, because I was like, well, you're going to abandon me. I'm going to abandon you. <laughs> So it turns out, you know, we find out now that the, the beefcake guy in the class who does these awesome race car pictures. Oh, yeah. And tanks. And astronaut. <laughs> this guy just knows what to draw. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that he is an undercover cop. He's there to find out if the killer is a student on campus. He, he 21 Jump Street them. He sees the, the this picture that Max took from Jim Broadbent. And he sees that there's like strands of hair in it and jewelry and all kinds of stuff. The mementos from the killer. And he... He starts thinking that that Max is the killer. So, you know, basically, Max goes back to Jim Broadbent's apartment. He burns it down and steals the rest of his art. So he, he kills him and a few other people, right? He, <laughs> he kills like a whole building worth of people, right? Yeah, yeah. The kid later goes, everybody in there died. <laughs> he killed the whole apartment building. <laughs> he puts all the pictures up as if they're his own. The cops catch on and they arrest him. This is like, I couldn't believe this is happening. I agree with you. I'm like, why is this going on? How did we get here? He gets arrested. And he doesn't even say, like, why are you arresting me? No, he just accepts it. You know what's interesting? It's so weird. I like that the cop really does care about, about his artwork. His, about his artwork. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I did like that. He's like, my paintings are okay, right? Like he, he actually he's like, enjoyed he's like, being an artist. He's not concerned about this murderer. He's really concerned about his art. And I can identify with that because I care more about my art than about a murderer. Well, the way this movie ends is that because Max Megala is arrested for murders, he becomes infamous. And his artwork becomes super successful. He's able to sell it for millions of dollars, I guess. He's on the cover of Art Forum magazine. Everybody wants to get on Art Forum. I can identify with that. And so, this movie ends, and even though he's in jail, it's a happy ending, because he wanted fame and the girl. And he got both. Yep. What does he care that he's in prison? This guy's life is meaningless. This guy's, he's defined by all these stupid things outside of himself. They're yep. gonna crumble. Mm-hmm. This guy's a dork. The movie ends with the girl of his dreams going up to kiss this disgusting Disgusting glass in the prison that ruined the whole movie for me. I was so like, disgusting. Oh. <laughs> that so disgusting. So disgusting. Oh, Billy, and they kiss at the glass. Yeah, they stole from from Cable Guy. <laughs> Okay, and that's it. That's Art School Confidential. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. 
film loses its way with multiple subplots, becoming a hodgepodge that isn't particularly hard to follow, but far worse, provides no compelling reason to bother. Ruth Stein, San Francisco Chronicle. There's not a single person to like in Art School Confidential, a crucial mistake in a movie filled with mean, shallow, and self-absorbed characters. Michael Booth, Denver Post. And finally, it simply runs out of things to do once it establishes its ground rules of defining stereotypes and mocking pretension. Chris Wagner, Dallas Morning News. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that bad? Yes, it is. This movie sucked. 36% accurate. The acting was terrible. The movie's disjointed, and the story is meaningless. I think this movie can be summed up with two words. Why bother? Why why bother with it? It's super self-absorbed, and the characters, their motivation in and of itself isn't enough to propel the story. Sure, I'm probably like the target audience for this movie because I can identify and relate with a lot of what's happening in there, and I still didn't like it. So, this movie gets... Oh, I don't want to do it because John Malkovich is in this movie, but it's <laughs> going to get a one out of five from me. It's a waste of time. Yeah, for me, this movie is that bad. I don't even have the little bit of connection that you guys have to this by relating to it on any level. I was just bored this whole time. The character initially that we're supposed to root for and like is I end up hating him by the end and I it, it's so cynical it makes me hate everyone else in the movie too along the way. Why do I care about this? This is a one out of five. I, I wish I never watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, as for me, it's really that bad. You know what? I'm gonna buck the trend and say, no, I don't think it's that bad. Because of the first third of this movie, with all the art school jokes and stuff, that's enough for me to let this movie coast to the most rock bottom three out of five possible. I mean, it's a hair's width away from a two out of five. Just barely there, because I got a real kick out of them making fun of all the pretentious art school stuff. I can relate. I really enjoyed that stuff. But I agree with Kevin. I hated how the main character became such an unlikable jerk. I hated how the movie just meandered and turned into this pointless waste of time. So, yeah, I would never recommend this movie to anybody with the exception of other art school people to say, watch the first half, then you can turn it off. Okay, let's read some listener mail. You just like dissenting. <laughs> yeah, sure. You do, I know it. He never knows what his score is until we give ours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should make you go first. <laughs> Okay, let's read some listener mail. Delva writes in and says, Hey, yes, that bad crew. My name is Delva, and I'm glad you're reviewing Art School Confidential. Although I didn't go to art school, I'm a self-taught illustrator with a degree in graphic design. So a lot of this movie hit home for me. In my art classes, it felt like all the art students were trying to outshock each other in each class project in order to get the most praise from the professor. Case in point, in my photography class, where we were supposed to take nature photos, one of the students decided to take black and white photos of her boyfriend waist down right after she had sex on her period. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. That's an A plus in my book. Am I right, fellas? Kevin, what do you think? You art school people freak me out. Man. <laughs> I know a kid who stabbed himself and took pictures of it. Wow. Hi, Art. And his name was Joel. Joel Caravaggio. <laughs> da Vinci. Da Vinci. My question is, have any of you guys in your time in college saw a project that made you you think what anyway keep up the good work looking forward to the next after dark where you guys discuss the cowboy hatted man p.s here's a painting of linka from captain planet i did in college i got a lot more up-to-date stuff on my facebook at facebook.com slash delva borno so more up-to-date captain planet related art i hope so like a wheeler and mati <sighs> power of heart my favorite power i'm kidding it's fire <laughs> 
Well, as for did we see any crazy art projects? I think we discussed uh, a few in yeah. this episode. Okay, John writes in and says, Point Break was a great episode. Thanks for reviewing. I was a bit curious why it seems like it got lost in the shuffle in terms of box office. So I did a little research on box office mojo. Point Break was released on July 12th, 1991, middle of the summer season, making a respectable $40 million. One week later, on July 19th, Keanu had another movie released in theaters, Bill and Ted's Bogus Adventure. Bill and Ted 2 actually did better its first weekend than Point Break. On the same weekend as Point Break, Boys in the Hood also came out. Boys had a bigger opening weekend, $10 million. It would go on to earn $57 million in the USA and earn two Academy Award nominations. Perhaps the biggest reason why Point Break wasn't a bigger hit is because of a small indie that hit the theaters one week before and dominated the summer. The movie? Terminator 2. Mm. Ouch. So T2 changed the game of action while Point Break got left in the dust, only to gain lasting cult status. Thanks for all your great work and congrats to Kevin. Hopefully he doesn't have a jumbie. Is that possible? I think we can only hope, right, Kevin? I don't know. I mean, if it is, what am I going to do? He wants to be born. You're right. <laughs> he, he wants to be born. There's nothing you can do about it. You have chimera, chimatism or whatever. Okay, G writes in and says, Hi guys, I'm new to your show and I like it. On September 3rd, 2012, does that show predate Looper? If so, you guys should start writing screenplays. Something tells me you guys already are. So I'm wondering, is Looper on your slate of films to review? I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it. I felt like that film slowed way down in the middle. And for some reason, we around the film business are supposed to give Ryan Johnson a pass because his supposed awesome I'll leave it at that. Oh, so we got a Hollywood insider here bashing Looper. Mm. We all saw it. We can give it a real quick review. I love that movie. It did slow down in the middle a little bit, but I do give it a pass because it does set up the character a little bit and draw connection between everybody in the movie. Give it like four to five. Yeah, for me, that was a strong four to five. I really enjoyed that movie. I slow down what, I mean, there were some spots where they were building characters and actually get us invested in the story. Many movies don't do that. Looper pulled the art school confidential and it turned into something else half way through, which I didn't care for. So at the time, I gave it a three out of five. I really want to see it again so I can give it a, a proper review because they sold it to me as one kind of movie, just like Art School Confidential, and they turned into something completely different, something that I did not want. So if you order a hamburger at a restaurant and they bring you out some prime steak? You're going to be upset? You're going to be upset no, about that? I ordered a hamburger <laughs> and I got a fat turd on my plate. <laughs> With Looper's plot. I didn't like it at all. Really? No, I didn't like that subplot. Outrageous and incendiary. Joel. Calm down. Oh, Starko's in attendance. Calm down. No, no, that was also in Looper, though. Remember the mom? Calm yeah. down. Yeah, okay, all right. Okay, Chris writes in and says, As you may or may not know, WrestleMania 29 is coming to New Jersey on April 7th, and I, as a huge wrestling fan, want to know if you guys are going, and are you even interested of jumping back to Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown? Yep, no longer Thursdays on UPN. Anyway, in hopes of getting you three amigos back in the loop, here's a few tidbits on what might get you interested. One, the Raw... Rock is the WWE champion. He just debuted a new belt. Two. Are you kidding me? (laughs) What? Why why is that not like on the news? This is national news? (laughs) Yeah, that should be on the evening news the day it happens. I go to CNN.com every day. I don't remember seeing that article. Okay, two, Brock Lesnar is a monster. He F5'd Vince a few weeks ago. Three. Lesnar's back? Apparently so. What is happening? Why don't we know this stuff? (laughs) 
I really. We failed, right? No, I, I feel like a failure right we, now. We're total failures. I feel like that if we got back into the game, we could turn the tide and bring it back to the Attitude Era. <laughs> Three, there's a new group called The Shield who are like the NWO, but better. What? And four, there's a racist Kurt Angle copycat running around. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and his final point is that it's three hours long and a ton of great wrestling. From Chris. Wow, I feel like we dropped the ball here. Martin, you said you had connections to WrestleMania. I do. We can go. Can you actually make that happen? Yes. I would chop off my right arm right now to go to <laughs> WrestleMania. <laughs> I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't say anything definitive. Give me I a think knife, I Joel. Can. Give me a knife right now. Yeah, you'll do it. I think I can. Okay, so we might be going to WrestleMania. Somehow I doubt it, but if you can make this happen and we can see The Rock face to face, that in and of itself, right? To see The Rock in person. I don't even know if I can handle that <laughs> emotionally, physically. Do you think emotionally you'd be able to handle The Rock in person? I might just start crying. Dwayne, I loved you in Walking Tall. <laughs> He just turns like, nice, and <laughs> gives you a salute. <laughs> Chris writes in and says, in the 13th Warrior episode, Kevin can't buy the fact that Banderas learns the Norseman's language simply by listening. Kevin, how do you think humans learn to speak? They learn by listening and trying to sound out the words, albeit in the 13th Warrior, it's very truncated education, but it's a movie. And according to the most recent episode, Gothic, you're going to be a parent? Good luck teaching that kid to speak without him or her listening to you and your wife's voices. P.S. If the bedtime romance has slowed down dramatically, guess what? Most likely, not guaranteed, but most likely, your wife is having a girl. When a woman becomes pregnant with baby boys, their body produces an abundance of testosterone, which causes them to be extra frisky. And when they become pregnant with little girls, the exact opposite happens. I know this. My wife and I just had a baby girl in January. But in all sincerity, congratulations. Kevin, that's very incendiary commentary right there. What do you have to say about all those points? He's giving you sex advice. Unsolicited sex advice via the internet. <laughs> and movie advice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is even harsher and more severe. I think a child learning to speak is completely different from me listening to a language I've never heard before. Kevin, are you trying to say that the human brain is organically different when it's going through this specific genetic process of learning how to speak, which only lasts in human beings for one or two years? I know that this is it's not a very popular opinion, but yes, that's, that's how I feel. I don't know if that's a very popular opinion because it goes directly against tons of scientific evidence. <laughs> And what about that other stuff he's talking about? Can we expect a Kevin Jr. Jr. or Kevina Jr. Jr. Jr.? That's a female version of Kevin <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not divulging any of that information. <laughs> Turn to the next Howard Stern. Yeah, I know, I know. Really, you're real shocking. Tune into the next After Dark and then Kevin will talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure his wife would love to have him talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. That'd go over real well. <laughs> okay, Steve writes in and says, Dear Young Bucks. Whoa, thanks. All right. I've been willing to sell my ass to raise $50 just for you guys to review a film. But wait, what? Is that open again? Whoa. He's asking us, what's, wait, is what is open? Is his ass open? Is his ass open? <laughs> well, what do you guys think? Sponsorships? I mean, if you sold this body. We gotta, look, before we even remotely open that door again, we got to get through <laughs> the ones that we have scheduled. Good point. Follow the money, Kevin. Yeah. Column writes in and says, I 
don't know if anyone UK side has told you guys yet, but Kevin Bacon is the front of a new mobile network EE who throw a bunch of terrible five degrees of bacon ads at you every time you go to the cinema. The most recent is a bunch of bacons trying to decide which film to watch. Apollo 13 bacon suggests sci-fi. An ancient, decrepit, wrinkled, footloose bacon suggests that he just wants to dance. And then lo and behold, hollow bacon walks through the door. <laughs> Cup of coffee in hand, floppy penis, and corpse of invisible dog in the other. <laughs> when me and my friend Joe go to the cinema, we never even hear the end of the ad because we're too busy shouting, I'm God now, to a confused audience. Anyway, here's a link to the advert. Enjoy. I sent it to both of you guys. Did you watch it? The link doesn't work, but I did watch a bunch of those 4GEE ads with Kevin Bacon. They're pretty dumb. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie, and that's going to be the Josh Hartnett classic, Wicker Park. Not to be confused with the Wicker Man, Kevin. I was kind of hoping it was the sequel. No, it's Wicker Park. I'm kind of interested to see this movie because when the podcast first started, Wicker Park was one of the very first listener requests ever. I don't so I she, don't even know what this movie is. So she finally got her wish. I've never heard of it. Two this. years later. I've never seen this movie. I don't think I've heard of it either. Okay, tune in next week when we'll be watching Josh Hartnett in Wicker Park. <laughs> Dreamboat. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeah, that bad. You can follow the show on Twitter by following us at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Marnie at yeah, it's Marnie. You can follow Kevin at yeah, it's Kev. You can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com. And don't forget to get our latest premium podcast, Green Lantern, at yeah, it's that bad dot bandcamp.com. Not only would you get that episode, but you'll also get a free yeah, it's that bad after dark where we discuss what happened to us during Hurricane Sandy. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Kevin, no matter how good of a basketball player you are, you can't teach height. What do you think of that? That's accurate. All man is not created equal. About it. In 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 that respect. <laughs> Libertarianism. Objectivism. I'm a staunch Obje- objectivist. I literally just Objective- li- on the way here, I just <laughs> listened to you say, why does objectivism always come up? <laughs> A lot of people in that school doing their artwork was a means to hone their craft and skill of expressing themselves visually to get a job. Yeah, I just wanted to get a job. I, a job. I, I did not want to waste time making vagina sculptures. And so, like, when when then when why people... do you spend all your time doing it now? Well, because now it's a hobby. <laughs> I, I have I have a job, so it's free time. <laughs> I can afford to do it. 